0: Let me tell you a story. It's a true story. All my stories are true. And this is something a little bit different than you used to hear from me. I know this family personally. Child at 14 years old started to unravel. Can't get up in the morning for chakras. Top boy, top Masifta. Can't get up in the morning. Difficulty concentrating. Started acting out. Now we know, we all know, what the normal path is for that kid. The parents start getting upset at the child. How come you're not getting up in the morning? Then he gets a, a cell phone or something, and they say, blame it. The reason you can't get up is because you're up watching movies. And then the Yiddish guy goes down the tubes, and everything crashes, God forbid, a lot of the time. This family, listen to what they did. For, for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into. They never turned on the kid. They saw right away from the first minute, something's not right with this kid. This kid has a pain. And they spoke to the yeshiva, and this is a chiddush. This yeshiva, all yeshiva should learn from this yeshiva. They saw right away he's a great kid. We're not going to do the normal pressure, knas. You know, we're just we're going to let it let it go. This kid ended up getting more and more dysfunctional. Started getting up at eleven, at twelve, at one. Daven at home, put on tefillin. Maybe yes, maybe no. Nobody turned on him. Not his mother. Not his father, not his siblings, not the yeshiva, nothing. Come to yeshiva, he came whenever he wanted, came once at 12, came once at 2. Nobody talked down to him, nobody put him down. Listen to this very carefully. He was hurting like he had a fever, and nobody made him eat it. Nobody made him feel bad. Everybody understood miraculously. Nobody judged him. Okay? He was out of yeshiva in this situation where he was in but officially out and juggling and coming and not coming and when he could and taking a test and working it out and at night with a tutor and staying at home and learning a little bit at home when he could and playing some video games and watching some movies and stuff. He did that for two years solid. Still in yeshiva. Still in yeshiva. And never went off the derech. Never went on the street. Never changed his clothing. He told me that a friend told him, Chaim, you're so yeshivish, and you don't even go to yeshiva. <laughs> it was the age, 15, 16, where guys get like more into yeshiva. His father wanted to take him out to 7-Eleven. Come, let's go get a thing. And he said, wait, let me get my jacket. And he lives in a community that they don't even wear a jacket. He was wearing a white shirt and he went to put on a jacket. After two years of not being in yeshiva, maybe or maybe not putting on tefillin, maybe or maybe not davening mincha, maybe or maybe not davening marav, and everybody just assumed he's doing his best. Just like we would if someone has fever. Fast forward... Three years later, four years later, five years later, he got help. He didn't have to deal with drugs. He didn't have to deal with feeling homeless. He didn't have any negative feelings against anybody. It's like a dream, right? It's like, a, can you imagine a dream that everybody judged him favorably from the first minute? Everybody understood that a healthy kid gets up in the morning and a healthy kid is going to tushtel and conform, is going to be, right? And they saw something's wrong at everybody in his life, from the Rosh Hashiva, to the Manal to the Rebbe, for several years all saw there's something here and and no Tainus they would visit him at home there was a time that the Manal picked him up on the way uh, um, to to take him to Yeshiva for second Seder and came out of his way no pressure and no feeling bad and nobody felt bad and nobody made him feel bad and no pressure this Yeshiva should charge 8 million dollars tuition they understood the child and they understood there's a situation and they dealt with it. Unbelievable. Boosting and boosting and boosting and boosting and boosting. Okay? Fast forward 10 years. Boy is an boy. Married. A ben Never, never went. Never. This whole thing never happened. And everybody who knows the story knows no question. If the mother would have said what's the matter with you and the father would have given grief and you give grief, 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 grief to a suffering soul that has an issue... No question. We would have had another kid, another statistic. No question. No Shiloh. Would have been a kid who all of a sudden you see him with the jeans and all of a sudden you see with the things and then you see with the hat and then all of a sudden he's smoking weed because everybody hates me and everybody's against me and nobody understands me. One of the most painful things in the world is that these kids are so good and a lot of times they themselves watch themselves fall apart and they don't, they sometimes don't even know why and sometimes they do know why. We had over here a sibling, sibling skip of a kip, and I met the kid when he was 10. And he liked me at the family meeting, and they came back, they were out of town, so they would come in like once a year to meet me with the kids. I saw him at 11, I saw him at 12. And then all of a sudden, he turns out that they found out he was traumatized, and he was also hurt. And here you have this kid that at 10 years old, 11, 12, everything is great, and all of a sudden now, he's watching himself fall apart. He was sitting in that chair that you're in right there. And he starts telling me, and he has already a twitch. He starts having a twitch. And he starts telling me, he's in seventh grade. He said, so many days, I'm not in yeshiva. I can't get my act together. I used to love davening. I can't concentrate. He's watching a holocaust. He's watching his arm, you know, like stop, like like Nebuch, like an ALS patient. Like all of a sudden, I I lost mobility in my arm. I lost this, I lost that. He goes, I can't daven." Mm -hmm. I used to love davening. I can't die. I try concentrating as a genius. Gene, I, I can't concentrate. Like I look at the Gemara and he tells me, the, the, the words are, are like jumping. I, I can't, I can't. And Nabuch, he never chose this. And he tells me the saddest, most painful thing I'll ever hear probably in my life. One of them. If I don't get my act together, who's going to take me from a sifta? He's watching his dreams. He could be in the top, top Massif. He's a genius, great family, Erluch. there's no chaser in here in Yiddishkeit. And he sees his future dissolving right in front of him. Usually the parents are saying, if you don't get your act together, what kind of Massif are you going to go to? Like, you, that's what they need. They know it. He's watching, his thing, saying about himself, if I can't get my act together, what's going to be? But I can't sleep at night. I go into bed on time. Three hours later, I'm still up. Four hours later, I'm still up. I wake up in the middle of the night. I have nightmares. I have night terrors. I sweat. I get up and I can't fall asleep. I can't get up. I wake up. I'm not rested. Our kips do not sleep. And we learned this the hard way. We had parents here the first time that I heard this because we learned everything here. That a kid happened to be on vacation with his parents and with his father and his father shared a room with him. That's how close the relationship was after, after this kid being so dysfunctional. He's Baruch Hashem married today, Shem Uttarimitzis. But at that point, he was so dysfunctional and he went on a vacation with his father and they shared a room. And the father said, okay, so it works out good. I have to work. So he got up in the morning, he went to Davin, came back, had some breakfast and you're, he's in the room from like 8 a.m until the kid wakes up at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m., and then they can start their day. So that's that's why the kids wake up late. They give you a chance to go to work and clean your house and cook and do all the other stuff. And he says, I'm in the room, so I'm quiet, but I'm working remotely on his computer. And my this kid, he's, oi, oi. He sounds like a 90-year-old man in his sleep. Oi. And he's turning. And no, i get away man. Turning. and back. He said he didn't have any manucha. And I've heard this afterwards from many parents who ended up in the same room or if you, if you put a recorder or if you put in something, they have no manucha. They're tortured souls. Tortured souls. And this kid is telling him about himself, I wake up. I don't know why, but I'm not, I'm not rested. So I can't concentrate. And I don't concentrate and I can't daven. I used to like davening. I used to love davening. I can't daven. He's watching his life fall apart. Does that kid afterwards need a Rebbe or a parent or somebody saying, no, no, what are you going to make a manchatis? They don't need it. What would happen? And it's a dream. It's like a chalom because it's so almost impossible. This kid was lucky. This kid was lucky that he wasn't judged for one minute by anybody. And he would wake up when he woke up and he got breakfast and he never had to be forced and pushed out. He never had to get weed for his pain. He was able to go to therapy and be matzliach in therapy and to work on himself and to stay from and to become more spiritual, learning deeper svarim because that's what he needed and kept himself stark and went through the darkness of the machla without the rejection of the world. It's a true story. That's my dream for every kid. Why don't we do this right away? Because we always assume it's the Eitzahara. He's a liar. He has bad dose, He's going to take advantage of you. And look how many kids we're losing, we're pushing out of our lives instead of just realizing, chayla. And it's all because of one reason. There's no thermometer that tells you emotional fever. Somebody please invent a the thermometer. I don't know where you're going to stick it. You stick it somewhere and it shows you 104 and then everyone knows what to do because when a kid has fever, nobody, we do this automatically. We don't think, well, it's four days, he didn't go to school, he's going to take advantage, he's going to keep on, don't give him ice cream on the couch, don't let him wake up late and, and, and give him uh, breakfast before he puts on tefillin. What about zman Kriyishma? What about Minho? What about, there's no what about, the kid is sick. He could be sick for three months, four months, and, and the doctor says, I don't know why, it's a low grade fever, 101, 102, maybe it's mano, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Nobody questions the kid. Nobody says maybe he's a manipulator. Nobody says maybe he has bad midos. Nobody questions the kid. And then you have other kids who are nabuch molested, raped, learning disabilities, trauma, abuse. They're dying inside. And because there's no thermometer, everybody second guesses them every second of the way. So what happens? They have a breakdown. And then what do you do when you have a breakdown? You look for people who accept you. You go out on the street and everybody says, good to see you. We've been waiting for you. Another great future Rosh Hashiva, amazing person in Kalisro, who we now have in our ranks of the underworld. And the more dysfunction, dysfunctional you are on the outside, the more they like you. The higher the skirt is inside the house, no, oh, terrible, terrible. The outside, they say, we like you even better. You know how to break into a car? Fantastic. We were looking for a guy like you. What we need to learn is that our kids are not bad. They could be a lot of things, ADD, ADHD, JFK, MP3, MPD, BPD, but they're not BAD. If we get that through our system, if we can understand our kids are not bid, right? We, if we really trusted the kid, then when they don't function, we would automatically realize there's a reason. This is my hope, my dream for the next star. We won't have to have so many kids suffering because they don't know. Some of them don't remember. Some of them can't connect the dots. Some of them have no idea that the reason why I'm not functioning now is because of what happened to me five years ago. And some of them do know, but they don't feel like they could share. They have shame. They have deep shame. And then on top of all of their mega problems, mega suffering that they have, they now have a bunch of eyes of the adult world looking down at you. You're bad. You're a bad influence. How come you're doing this? You could do better. You have chira. All of a sudden, the Musa shmuzin. Hashem doesn't give you something that you can't overcome. You obviously have kachis. You have to become better. We're going to motivate you. You need this. We'll make a prize. And the whole thing is a misunderstanding because you wouldn't say that to someone who is sick. Remember, they're not healthy Esavs. They're sick yakovs. If we can have the vision the eyes, from day one of the machla that starts to spread to the point of dysfunction, from the first minute, and we were able to know whether it's sick or bad behavior, we would save all these kids. The is, what do you do when you don't know? They asked the Shailah to Rav Steinman. Rav Steinman paskend lahalacha, that if you have a suffix, if someone is healthy or sick, if you have a suffix, if someone is a healthy person that needs chinuch, boundaries, consequences, pushing, knas, because that's what healthy kids need sometimes, or maybe the kid is sick and suffering and hurting, then you have to treat him like a hurting person. Because otherwise you can break the person. And those experts with the eyes that can see can tell you the difference. And the truth is, all parents really know. We just don't want to let go of the dream. But you really know your kids. You could tell when they need a push, and you could tell when I'm pushing, but there's something, you know... It's like driving the car with the emergency brake on. You know where it is. And what do we do then? We're programmed. Push harder. Push harder. You, you drive with the emergency brake on too long. Something bad is going to happen. You have a car with a, with a flat tire. How much does it cost to fix? $15? $30? A nuke tire? $100? Nothing. But if you push it, you push it, you break the rim. How much does that cost to fix? No, more. A few thousand for a rim. You keep on pushing it. After the rim is broken, what breaks next? The axle. Now you're looking at $4,000. So what do you do when you have a flat tire? Pump it up. Fix it. Don't push. Don't push. Now, in the beginning, you don't know. But at some point, you know. At some point, parents out there have to learn a new sugya of tinak shenish